Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's episode is another great crossover with Chris Chavez and the Sidious Mag podcast, where we talk to Nell Rojas, who just finished as the top American in last week's Boston Marathon for the second year in a row. This time around, she lowered her personal best to 225.57 with her 10th place finish, and we unpacked her training leading up to race day, how the race played out on the course, and even Nell's unconventional path to the marathon in the first place. We also talked about Nell's decision to enter contract with Adidas before Boston, and why she chose to run in shoes that worked for her with no brand affiliation. I was particularly touched to hear Nell talk about the role representation has played in her running, and the messages she receives from people all over the world who enjoy cheering on a prominent Latina runner. This is a great episode that covered everything from Nell's coaching career, to her family legacy, to her post-race bar adventures, and I think it was a lot of fun to record. This episode of Run Your Mouth was brought to you by Hayward Magic in advance of this year's World Championships in Eugene, and you can learn more at sidiousmag.com slash summerofhayward. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars. And until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Now we welcome on Nell Rojas to a little crossover episode of the Sidious Mag podcast and run your mouth because she's getting bombarded with all these interview requests. We figured we would just knock them both out in one interview. So uh, Nell, congrats. Top American in Boston for the second consecutive time. You got a big PR out of it. So uh, you've got a couple days now to kind of process the result and, and, you know, get take a little bit of a break so how have things been and like how are, how are the overall feelings about the race oh man um right now you know yeah it's been a couple days um my mind is like honestly like a little bit blurry um it's like not functioning like as properly as i'd like it to and it's been like that for like the last like two months just because of like training like i feel bad for anyone who's talked to me i'm like sorry man i'm like about Toronto Marathon and like my I like my brain stocks right now and then post I'm like yeah I'm sorry like I'm like oh man this might be just like my new me but um yeah I'm I'm right now I'm a little overwhelmed because like yeah I've been home but I've been like and I'd love to like sit down and process it but then things keep coming up like obviously you know we touch on it everything with Twitter you know so that kind of like threw <laughs> a curveball, even though I knew it was coming. Um, so that like, kind of like derailed my, uh, thought process and my like reflection. And then, um, you know, talking to people a lot, but you know, overall, I still have, I still have a lot to, to think about, but overall I'm like, you know what? Like I had my hardest build. I ran so many more miles. I gave it my best. I like did everything I could. I didn't give up. I had a solid race. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like the, I think I could have, you know, we all think we could have raced better. Like, if, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm a high schooler. Like, cause whenever you ask high schoolers, like, how do you feel about your race? They're like, well, I could have gone so much faster. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well not really, but, um, you know, I just think I, I, I'm a, like, I feel like a, like I had a solid race and I, I feel good about it. 
because I, I think I read one of the recaps before and it was it was a little bit about just how this buildup wasn't perfect. And there were moments where you had your expectations set pretty low. So when did was it in the middle of the race, basically, that things changed and you realized, hey, I'm I'm going to have a good day. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, I started and I was kind of like, oh, man, I'm feeling pretty heavy, you know, like. <laughs> I've been tapering for about five weeks because I just trashed my legs. Um, and so I was like, feeling heavy, you know, like not feeling like light and spry right now. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of like put that past you. Um, and then when, when, yeah, when, when the, the top group made their move early on, um, you know, my instinct is like, oh yeah, we're going to stay with the top group, you know? Cause like I did that last year, we're doing it again. And then it took me like, it took me like, I don't know, maybe 45 seconds to be like, oh, like five, 10 pace. Like, no, that's not me right now. So like, let's, let's back it off. And then I just kept trying to back off more and more. Um, and I was pretty timid. I was like nervous you know, and not feeling great. Like my, my quads were just like kind of toast the whole time. And, and so it was honestly to get to your question until I passed Molly at mile 15. And to be honest, she was awesome. She was like very encouraging, you know, she was like, go get him. You got this. And it was like, that's like the moment I was like, let's go, you know, like I'm having a good race. Like I, I find myself here again. And that's when I really started to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a good race. What was the biggest difference in terms of, you know, you had relatively similar weather between last year and this year, which can be very uh, unlikely in Boston. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of, aside from just how your legs feel, like what struck you as the biggest change from 2021 to 2022? Yeah, just, I mean, I literally ran 5k on by myself um, the other day. And so I really, it was interesting because I got to run my own race. Like there was no question about it. I was like, well, I guess I'll just like run how I feel. Cause I don't have to follow anyone or hold back for anyone. So that kind of like was nice. Cause I was kind of like, I've done this a million times. It takes like, I'm by myself, you know, so I get to do whatever I want. And then last year it was just like, literally for 16 miles I was just trying to get out of the the front of the pack it was just like me just like circling back and getting shot out circling back and getting shot out so I think mindset wise like going out so easy for 17 miles last year and you know trying to get out of the front and then this year just like running my own race um it was two completely different days did you have any awareness of where you know, where, where Des and Steph were, where the leaders were, you know, were, did you have anybody either on the side of the course or just that you were able to key off of telling you kind of where you were relative? Cause you were, I mean, you were right around that kind of 10th spot for, for most of the race. And that's, uh, that's right in the money if nothing else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I wasn't even, I wasn't thinking about placements. Um, I did, you know, envision this like big group of you know, 50 girls behind me just working their way up to me. Um, I was like, oh, they're coming, you know, like, and they're working together. Um, 
which, um, you know, wasn't the case. Apparently a lot of us were just running alone. Um, and then I could see Molly and Purdue the whole time. Um, I don't think they ever, they never got out of sight. They got far. I mean, they got pretty far, but it was, it was really nice to be able to like, keep an eye, keep an eye on them. It, I wasn't really like until mile, maybe 13, 14, I wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to reel them in. I was just like trying to not step off the course myself, but, um, I had people in sight. Yeah. So after you pass Molly, that's when you are like, okay, let's go. But so how do you sort of mentally sort of then really, I guess, turn it up a notch to stay engaged over those last couple of miles when you still have to do some work solo, but at that point you're, you're top American, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. It w- I went through like phases where I was like, oh, I got this. Like I, all I need to do, like I knew, I didn't know where anyone was, but you know, you can kind of, you kind of like listen to the cheers. Right. And like they get further and further away and then you can't hear them at all. So I'm like, okay, I think I, I think, you know, I've made this mistake before, but like, I think I have a decent sized lead. Um, and I knew like, I know if I just run solidly and smart and just like, you know, cause I was running at that point, like 530, 535s. So I was like, I just can't, I don't want to go faster than that because I don't want to blow up. I don't want to do anything that like is risky. Um, and so I knew like they would have to be running very fast and feeling good. And like, you know, in your mind, you think they feel good, but then I was like, yeah, they probably don't feel good either, you know? So that's what I kept telling myself. You come down Boylston, I guess at that point, the crowds, just like a year before, like you were, you were one to, I guess, like in the, in the final mile, it definitely slowed down a little bit because of how tired everyone gets, you know, after yeah. those, those two turns, but, um, did, how'd you really savor it in? I mean, you, you play with the crowd, I guess, coming down Boylston every single time. Um, I mean, this time I did, because that was the first time I looked back was turning left onto Boylston. Um, and just to like, make sure that was like, you know, and once I realized, like, first of all, I'm going to finish this race. Second of all, I'm going to do, I'm going to be top American again and prove to myself mainly that I belong to be here. Like I pulled it off again. And so I think like, just like, I was like so relieved and so happy that like, I couldn't help, but, but yeah, but celebrate. And then I would like celebrate. And then I'd be like, oh shit, like I need to make it. And then I'd like kind of pause and I'd be like, okay, yeah, celebrate. So, yeah. So obviously you PR'd, but you you talked a little bit about sort of feeling, you know, heavier, like the, like the training was kind of beating you up a little. What is, I don't want to say like, what was the goal, but, but maybe a good way to phrase this is what is goal marathon pace in training for you these days? Optimistically 5.30 optimistically you know like if I was on a flat course and I had a good day like tick off 530s um and that's just like you know a number that like I'm I am not like too far of a reach but um definitely definitely has to be a great day I think in one of the first couple interviews you did with Allie uh Feller right after the Olympic trials I think you had said something about how you wish you had one, one or two races with the, you know, the pro women, you know, the, the people who make mm. these teams 
that that would have been valuable for you heading into the Olympic trials, just because you would have had, I think, a little bit more confidence um, to be up there with them and, and maybe make a couple moves or or go out of your comfort zone a little bit. And so now I'm sort of thinking, you know, after last Boston, this Boston, where you do finish top American both times, and you've had a couple races now where you go up against these other top American women. And I, and I said this to Scott Fobble this week when we had this sort of conversation, you can't help but get a little bit excited, I guess, for the next Olympic trials and sort of like how things right now are trending in the right direction. And you're getting these reps in and you're proving yourself at these big stages. There's still a lot of time between now and the next Olympic trials, but you kind of have to be feeling pretty good about where you stand right now on the, on the U S marathon scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really very excited. Um, and I think, I think I have a lot of room to improve between now and then is what I'm most excited about. Um, you know, I've run my last three marathons, Boston, Boston, Olympic trials were just like effing hilly, you know, <laughs> like, I'm just like, okay, just like get me on a fast course, you know, <laughs> like, let's go, you know, like, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, I, a, there's like people I'm like, I hope they don't pop up, you know, I hope <laughs> they don't like want to give it a try. A couple 10 K um, all Americans like, yeah. don't move up in distance. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh God. Like when they, when they, I hope they have success now because like, then they'll stick with their 10 Ks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then also, of course, there's like a, a lot of really great girls, but I think, I do think I'm right in the mix. You know, it's, it's so interesting to kind of like take a temperature check of like where people are right now with us uh, on the us women's marathoning scene, because just what, two, three years ago, like it was still sort of Shalane and, and Des and uh, you know, Jordan has say, and then sort of, yeah, after the trials, this new leaf gets turned, the pandemic forces, you know, kind of everyone to just hit pause. And, and we come out of it with all these, these new faces with Molly being kind of at the top of it, Sarah Hall finding like another gear and, you know, Sarah Vaughn popping off you, but then some other new names like Dakota Lindworm and Annie mm-hmm. Frisbee, Annie. where mm-hmm. it's so interesting how quickly that sort of happened. I guess what I, I, you can speak for yourself, but I guess in those, in, from the moment, the, after the trials, what really led to this kind of jumping off point for people like you? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought I've been thinking about this lately. I'm like, okay, there's, you know, where are all of the American women marathoners? And I'm like, there's like, you know, a handful or whatever, but I'm like, it's a hard, it's a hard sport to be in and it's hard to pursue and it's hard to do and it's hard to survive financially. And so, you know, like, I think that just itself is just like doing like cuts everyone out, which doesn't, doesn't say anything less of us, you know? Um, but I think it's just like, for me, it's just like, who is, who's passionate enough to like, keep, doing this and who's like ready to like move on with their lives. And, you know, there's only been a couple of times where I'm like, Oh, I get why people wouldn't want to do this. Like <laughs> I get why people are out, you know? Um, Cause like before it never crossed my mind, but like there are days where I'm like, 
Ooh, normal life. Yes. You know, (laughs) so I'm not sure, but. Do you think about it, you know, obviously, so for maybe the listeners who aren't as familiar, you know, you, you, I don't want to say stepped away from racing, but you were doing like obstacle races and triathlons and stuff. So when you think moving forward, is it fully just, you know, marathon till I can't marathon anymore? Or do you want to mix it up more, you know, as much as you can in the, in the next couple of years? Um, no, just, just marathons. Yeah. Just, I think that's, you know, obstacle course racing actually like, you know, I got into it because my best friend is like the world champ and she would come home on the weekends with a lot of money and she just like, there's just like no one else taking the money and she just like jog them and I and like come home with big checks. And I'm like, okay, God, yeah, I'm going to try that. And then <laughs> I tried it and it, honestly, it is so hard. I understand why there's not many women in that because it is just like gruesome. Like I've never done anything harder. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I don't think that's the way to go. <laughs> so the marathon's Me. easy uh, by comparison. <laughs> yeah. Marathon's easy. Maybe that's why I'm good at them. Um, and then, you know, triathlon, um, you know, maybe in the future when I have when, yeah, maybe. You need to update your, your Twitter account. Cause it's still like listing all the, oh. the triathlon stuff. I went on it like the other day and I was like, I was like, wait, do I have the right account here? Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not very active on Twitter. Um, for a good reason. I mean, <laughs> me, now I, I looked at Twitter yesterday. I'm like, Oh, I'm never going on Twitter again. <laughs> well, the thing I, I think is so hard about, uh, the marathon is that you have to be so long-term focus like you're presumably you know thinking starting at 2024 and working backwards so I I think especially compared with you know especially how it is you know for college athletes where you're thinking maybe a season at a time you know if if less if like the weekend at a time so is that kind of part of I guess the challenge of trying to be like how can I ration you know, my, both my training and then my like, you know, competition plan over sort of a longer horizon. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's actually an aspect I really like about it. You get all this time and you get like, you get to like lay, lay out this like nice plan. And then it all goes to shit because you're like, well, that didn't have enough happen. Like, whoo. And then, but, um, but yeah, as long as you're like making baby steps up and I think that's actually a really important um, aspects for me, um, because I came into it late. And so like, it's just like this, like long progression. We don't need to rush. I don't need to get injured. And yeah, it's fun. So one of the obviously like big storylines coming into your race this week, which I guess we'll, we'll, we'll touch on and address uh, a little bit is the, the sponsorship, uh, side of things where, um, you signed a deal with Adidas back in January and then kind of coming into this race, you decided to, you know, kind of forgo that contract and, and race in, you know, the shoes that you wanted to for the Boston marathon ended up paying off for you, but sort of, I guess, can you walk us through sort of like a little bit of that decision-making process? Cause like, it's, it, it, it did kind of come out of nowhere. It was just like a story that, that popped up, I think a day or two before. And, and it, yeah, it seems to be something that people are talking about right now, at least. Yeah. I can't, I can't say that much. Right. Um, but I can say that I thought I was really cool for about six months when I was 
getting packages at my door and wearing Adidas and like walk in by my neighbor's door and be like, oh, hey, <laughs> I wonder if they noticed that I'm wearing all, you know. Um, but, you know, what I can say is that like, I, I worked at Boulder Running Company, shoe store, slinging shoes um, for a while, you know, when I was younger. And first of all, your average runner, normal person comes in, they want to find a shoe to run in. I have to give them at least 20 different pairs to try on. And they're like, oh, this is, this feels like this. Mm, this one doesn't work. Mm, this one doesn't work. And then they like, you know, go between one or two or whatever. So like, all I have to say is like, has no one had a shoe that they're like, this doesn't fit my foot. Like I'm sure other people love, clearly the shoe is an amazing shoe. Both of the winners wore it, half marathon world championship. Like the shoe's great, didn't work for me. I think I go back to this interview that you did with uh, Mac Fleet in the lap count a couple months back. Uh, it was right after your cherry blossom where it just kind of lends a little bit of context to where you're at. I mean, very similarly, when we were bringing up just sort of the changing landscape of U.S. women's marathoning, like, yes, for the longest time, some of the top pros are, you know, people who've traditionally taken the path of the pro, the, the pro running where it's, you know, college star signs a contract, runs well on the track, moves up to the marathon. And for the longest time has been a pro runner, but for you, for Kira D'Amato case in point took 10 years off, you know, focused on her real estate job is able to, you know, choose to do something like the Houston marathon because, you know, she doesn't need the appearance fee of like a world major to, to really right. kind of impact her bank account. It's she can kind of play around with the sport however she wants because financially she's not in it for for money. And what you said in the interview was uh it's it's more about you you work a full-time job, I make enough money, there's a reason why I, I'm not sponsored right now. It's not worth it to me because of, for a couple different reasons. Now I race because I love competing. I know I can be up there with these girls. I have no doubt I want to prove to myself and all the girls who people never really took seriously as athletes. I want to prove that I'm one of the best. So kind of not to dive too much into sort of like your financial side of things, but for you, it never really was about being like a pro runner. Like you just kind of want to get the best out of yourself. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you're absolutely right. Like I'm coming at it as a, a very, very different way. These are like the years of my life, you know, like this is like, has a very, you know, there's a time limit on this. And I'm like, I'm not, this is not when I'm trying to make money. Like that's not, if that were my goal, I'd try to make money, you know, like I would do something else, but I'm my goal for these next, you know, handful of years is to try to do the, the best I can do. I understand that some of these deals that these girls have, like, well, first of all, the shoe probably works for these, these girls and that's great. Good for them. Also, like maybe they're getting paid a lot of money, you know, and they can't say no to that. Um, but um, I am in a different position. So the piece of it that I always think about, then this is like, this is the run your mouth angle, right? Because I'm like the, like the meta media guy, but this is something Molly Seidel has talked a lot about, I think, basically since, um, you know, uh, meddling at the Olympics, where there really is this kind of double-edged sword to success, right? Where, you know, you become really recognized. And I think part of that does come with, 
you know, if you do have a pro contract, you have, you know, appearance obligations and, uh, you know, the brand is promoting you as much as you're promoting them. But now, especially that you've, you've been twice, two years in a row, the top American at a, at a major, do you feel like that is something that you're having to wrestle with more and more is sort of, you know, there's like just the running that you do. And then there's like, you know, capital N Nell Rojas, the brand that you have to be cognizant of at the same time. Um, yeah. Like I'm just, I'm, you know, not as much so as Molly, obviously, but like, I think more and more, I, I am more cognizant of that. And, you know, you're like, how should I be? You know, you're like, <laughs> Oh, who should I, um, like, should I be like, you know, like, people think I'm this like really strong, tough girl. And I'm like, okay, let's do that persona. You know, and I'm like, I'm just going to be who I am. Most of my mental energy goes to like actually coaching my athletes. So that's like the, we'll see like how everything's going to play in together now, but yeah, we'll see. I just like, honestly, I really haven't, I'm not that famous. So I haven't had to do much, but like, but like I've gotten some emails and people are like, Oh, where do you charge for an appearance? And I'm like, ah, well, <laughs> I'm like, what do you, how much money you got? <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That's one of the freeing things about just running for you, right? Is that you don't have as much of a, of a pull to kind of, you know, hustle all the time for, for a brand. Yeah. And like, even like now I'm like, well, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of you, you, you talk a little bit about the coaching that you do. Can you take us through sort of like what a week looks like for you when it comes to balancing now the coach, now the running coach, now the strength coach, and then, you know, now the, the pro marathoner where, you know, you fit in sort of your training. What does it, what does a week look like? It's changed a lot this last cycle because I was sponsored. I was able to um, back off a lot of the one-on-ones that I did. Cause I was doing like a lot of like meeting people and being in the gym and, you know, strength stuff. Um, and so now it's, it's, it's a lot, it's like, you know, the mental energy is the hardest. Cause you get done with like a really hard workout and then you go to the gym and then you're like, all right, let me now, um, deal with everyone else's like, you know how you feel on a daily basis. And sometimes you're like, you feel good. And sometimes you feel bad. And then sometimes like you have all these, well, like I have like 55 of those people to like figure out how they're feeling, help them through that. And like, then relate it to running, you know? (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's a lot of like, and I've, this past cycle, I did a really good job of like, okay, I'm putting my training first. This is new, but that's what I'm going to do because I think that's going to be best for everyone. And then doing that, getting that done, having calls and getting on training peaks and looking at everyone's logs, making comments, um, emails. And then, you know, in the evening, um, I I still have like a handful of clients I see. Um, so yeah, it's usually a mix of everything, which, which is great. I mean, I love my life. I'm, I, I have to pinch myself. It's like, you know, it's like so amazing and I'm grateful for it. And anytime I like start complaining, I'm like, why like I am you know my boyfriend is on the computer for 12 hours a day like making a lot of money but like you know and so I'm like at least I'm not doing that (laughs) 
speaking of money, um, uh, I, I thought it was cool to see that you, you know, obviously, um, uh, safe to say you, you got the BQ and then some, but you still um, did some <laughs> did some fundraising for um, Black Girls Code uh, leading up to this marathon. What sort of, uh, you know, kind of got you connected to the, that organization and, and why did you decide to, to highlight them? Yeah, good question. Kind of random, but not so random. Like during the BLM movement back in 2020, um, I just was doing my research on like, okay, where, where do I donate money? Where do I, how can I help? What do I do? And so I did research on, you know, a couple of different organizations and that one was one that stood out to me that I liked. Um, and then leading into Boston this year, I was like pretty late. And I was like, it, I was like, what am like, this is, it doesn't feel, it feels weird just doing this, you know, without like, cause like, I know I'm like a little bit more in the public spotlight, you know, I know people are following me. I know there's, I have some fans. So at this point I'm like, okay, like I need, I need to, I need to fundraise for something. So I knew I wanted it to be, um, involving like minorities, like with kids, um, something about giving, you know, minorities purpose and like making a a bigger impact, um, to equalize obviously. And so that's, I was just like, I like that organization. Let's do that. Well, that was cool. Cause you know, the Boston marathon has such a big charitable kind of component to it. So both seeing you and, and Colin Benny running for uh, a a charity, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it becomes a trend where like more and more of the top pros are like, you know, I'm running, but also if you want to donate to this charity, go for it. Cause I, I, I thought that was a really cool way to kind of like tie the, the, you know, front of the race to, you know, the work that a lot of people do who are, who are just running to raise money. So I thought that was awesome. Everyone knows how much all of us in the city of Smag family love track and field and how much we enjoy sharing our love with you. Well, we've got a few big ideas in the works for the upcoming season, none bigger than what we've got planned for Eugene. Our summer of Hayward begins with the Nike Prefontaine Classic on Memorial Day weekend, which will also be the USATF 10,000 meter championships, and it continues through the rest of the USATF Outdoor Championships in late June, which will in turn select Team USA for the World Athletics Championships in Oregon in mid-July. We'll be there for every competitive moment and hope to create some special moments of our own with interviews, analysis, watch parties, and all sorts of good stuff. Hayward Magic is gearing up for all the action happening this season, and they want to see how you're preparing for the summer events at Hayward, whether they're high school, collegiate, or professional level. Show them how you're preparing by sharing your training on Instagram using the hashtag MakeItToHayward in the description. At Hayward Magic will select and feature the gutsiest posts in their feed. Who knows, the best submissions might just be compiled into a highlight reel and end up on Hayward Magic forever. Learn more at SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward, and we hope to see you out there either virtually or in person this summer. I love, yeah, so there's that, you know, diversity and representation side of things that I also kind of wanted to touch on with you because it's funny, when I did a podcast a couple uh months back with Luis Grijalva like I got I like for some reason I just started opening up a little bit more about just mm-hmm. seeing just kind of other Latino you know people within the sport doing some awesome things and so 
when I see someone like you and, and the fact that representation like kind of matters, it, it, it is awesome to kind of see you harnessing that. And so I'm kind of curious, like, you know, especially it was a part of like a conversation when it came to discussing like, you know, black athletes within the sport about, you know, especially in some of the distance races with high school kids, like you don't see too many of them that often when you look left and right on the starting line. And when you get to something much bigger, like a major marathon and you look and you see sort of African faces, it's the East Africans. And so it's kind of creating those opportunities for younger black athletes to, to find the distance events in high school at a younger age so that they follow through with it. And so it's very sort of similar to on the Latino side of things where on the starting line, like there's a, a couple countries, uh, other countries represented, but from like an American Latino perspective, like you're definitely like one of the only people up, up at the front end of, of these races. So I guess like young people take inspiration from seeing, you know, athletes and, and these awesome success stories. So like, what's that like for you to kind of know that there's that extra part of uh, your story that they can also try and latch on to? You know, especially this last couple of days when I've gotten some, you know, grief about running and Nikes. Um, I, I consistently get messages on Instagram, people reaching out to me, emails, people on Facebook um, from Latinos just thanking me and being like, I saw like one of my athletes that I coach, she's like, my nieces saw you and they were like, oh my God, she looks like me. They were like, you know, five and six. She was like, they were so a shocked that there was someone that looks like them and they were so inspired. And they were like, we're going to do that, you know? And, and I get, I get messages from, from, from people all the time being like, it was so good to see you out there. Like, thank you for representing our community. And so it was just like messages like those who I'm just like, you know, this is like the right thing to do. And it just makes it so much bigger for me. You know, like you need that, like bigger, at least I need, I need something bigger than myself, um, to a lot really more important than what it. shoes you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's a, it exactly. matters so much more than like what place you were or like what, uh, yes. yeah, what, what you were wearing. Like, it's just that the, the visual, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, and I was even thinking too, you know, you obviously have deep boulder roots, um, and you know, both you and Scott, you know, representing the boulder community in Boston after everything you all have been through uh I have to imagine there's like a bit of you know um Boulder pride yeah it's a solidarity <laughs> you see them on the starting line you're well, like Ed, Ed, you Edna know? too don't forget about Edna in oh yeah and, and <laughs> just, never you know... forget about Edna <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but... I think Boulder always has we're always proud to be to be from Boulder um but it's actually funny like I was like so you know like after the race there's just like so much going on that I didn't realize that, first of all, Scott is new to Boulder. Like, or well, yeah. he actually grew up in my Golden dad Colorado. Coached him. Yeah. yeah, my dad yeah. coached him as a high schooler. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's weird. Small, small. Yeah. But so I didn't know that Scott was A, unsponsored. B, we were wearing matching outfits. I was like, that is so weird. <laughs> and then I felt better. I was like, ah. We're not just talking about me. We're talking about Scott. And I was like, maybe I'll call him. 
Yeah, I was I was looking at that too. I'm like, I don't know if this tweet is about Scott or if it's about now. Yeah, yeah. I think it was about both of us. But I think, and then I was like, but they see like my name came up more, and I was like, I was like, well, talk shit about Scott too. Come on. But then I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, the reason is because he left a group. He didn't leave a sponsor, you know. And it was a little. It happened differently. So I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, I think that's something we're seeing again and again is just whether it's D2 athletes or people unsponsored, there's just a lot more people doing things differently and that's scary and threatening to some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have to imagine it's all the more satisfying when it works. You know, we talk about the buzzword of the week now, I guess, is betting on yourself. Betting on yourself. <laughs> you know, ooh, it's got to feel ooh. good to, to feel <laughs> oh, like. It gives me cringes, man. <laughs> but to, to feel like, you know, that little chip on your shoulder of, you know, I'm not doing this in the beaten path of what anybody else is doing and it's working, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's almost been my MO forever, but you know, there's another thing, like I was telling my boyfriend last night and I'm like, you know what? I, I just have to run well. I just have to run well, use it as fire, you know? And like, I know I will run well. And I know like, I have a lot ahead of me. So I'm like, whatever, you know, like that's all I got to do and prove, you know, I know who I am, whatever. That's the pull quote right there. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. who I am, whatever. <laughs> whatever. That's the one we'll use on a graphic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just feel bad for like, we're deep into, you know, track and field and, and marathon Twitter that I feel like there's a couple of listeners who are like, what tweets are they talking about? What's happening? But we'll let them yeah. figure it out. Uh, on their yeah. own. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we're in too deep. But all right, I want to bring it back to sort of giving just a little bit further context to to your story because of how just yeah untraditional was you I mean you you ran at NAU and you steepled there all American you ran cross country there and then from there like it took a while for you to kind of find the marathon as sort of your event we talked about you know diving into triathlons and things outside the sports so I guess for what what was the light bulb moment that made you kind of want to come back to it um I mean, I've told this story before, but basically like I was trying to be a coach, you know, like I, I was trying to build my coaching business. Um, and I'm like, and I was, and I was a triathlete. Well, I was, I was coaching a lot of triathletes because you can charge triathletes $500 a month and you can charge runners $165 a month. So <laughs> I was coaching triathletes because that makes more sense. Right. But anyways, I was like, okay, I was coaching a lot of Ironman athletes. And I was like, I need to do one. Cause I, I, I think I would be a better coach and I think I could do well at them. And I think if I did well at an Ironman, I could make a living off of this. And so, um, I signed up for CIM just like, okay, let's do a marathon before I just like head on into like, uh, swim, bike, then a marathon. And, and so CIM trained a little bit, you know, I was still like, miss you know like I wasn't taking it seriously I was having fun with it but like if I wanted to miss a run because I was hungover I would miss a run because I was hungover that was just like that wasn't my priority um and then I ran at CIM 231 I think um and at that point like people were like wow you know good job and I was like was that good like because I could go faster than that you know <laughs> um so I think at, at that point that's when I was like oh I first of all I loved it I thought like 
I was like, that's, that's my sport. That's, that's what I'm made for. So that's where I started. That was the I year remember. that, uh, 99 women, I think like OTQ'd at, at, at CIM in 2018, it was like the, I, I was yes. there and just watching yes. that finish line. It was just, they were coming in one after another. And I think like it's set up to probably be like that this probably, um, mm-hmm. December, but, uh, so then you, you, you know, you're good then does training really take a change from there? Like where you were kind of like toying around with different things. And your your dad obviously probably could have been like a great resource. Where did you take things from there to really ramp it up to the next level? Because then you pop off again at, at grandma's. Um, yeah, I think I was, I definitely got more serious about training. So missed less workouts, maybe, um, (laughs) drink less, (laughs) um, and I definitely like was still doing like a lot of like strength work. So like I was in the gym, like just like slinging kettlebells all the time, you know, just cause I thought it was fun and it felt good. And, um, so I was still heavy, heavy, heavy on the weights, but maybe increased my mileage from like 65 to like 75, 80, that cycle. And then, um, was just like more, like it was more determined, more like single focused, um, didn't sign up for any OCRs, no triathlons were in the picture anymore. Um, and then like, yeah, grandma's obviously like when you win, you're like, um, Oh, like you want more. It just fuels your fire. And then I just like kept on like weeding at like getting more, you know, specific to running. So like a little bit less strength training every time, um, a little bit more miles every time, a little bit more like specific, marathon work every time because we're so speed focused um and then it just like funnels in i uh i remember your name from grandma because i ran the half there that same year oh, and nice. i remember when you won thinking like oh, like I, this is a new name to me and she ran pretty oh, damn fast. Yeah. gotta keep an eye out for trials <laughs> yeah. um I, I feel like it from the outsider's perspective trials was the big breakthrough getting top 10 you know it obviously Mm -hmm. is such a um you know that kind of takes it to another level even if the time you know doesn't matter on that course did it feel what was your mindset I guess you know having that big breakthrough race and then having everything shut down right afterwards (laughs) I guess I, I didn't like see it as like a big breakthrough um but you know it did definitely like get me excited and I like I had a labral tear like going into that. And then after that, I was, I was like, it took me a lot. Like my body, there was like this, like, you know, like um, something was wrong. <laughs> so I actually got really lucky because I was like signed up for all these races and they would come and I'd be like, Oh, well, I'm glad that was canceled because there's <laughs> no way. And so like, it like gave me a chance to just like, kind of like recover and then like really slowly ramp things back up. Like I signed up for, um, the marathon project, but didn't get to run it because, um, I just like was too injured. Um, and, and then like, it was like, it was like pretty perfect for me. Cause then like Boston was there and that was like basically my first, you know, big marathon back and it, it went well. This whole entire time is is your dad sort of thinking like, oh, I knew I knew the potential was there and it's and things are only getting better or sort of like how do those conversations kind of happen when when you debrief with, with your dad about like these performances and like for you, like you don't consider it a breakthrough, but do, does he and like what are those talks like? Well, yeah, my dad thinks I'm like 
the best thing in the world you know like (laughs) he is like it is like hard to listen to it is like it is like so cringy and like when I hear him talk to people I'm like oh my god like you dad you cannot say that like I know you're proud of me but like let's tone it down a bit here so like I can't I don't even want to go there because he's like no you're better you're better than everyone and I'm like that I'm not it's just not better than everyone so I just like you know he's he obviously believes me and so he I mean before every race like he has he has all the girls on a list he has projected times and then there's notes to reasons why there's a score. I don't know what the scoring system is, but he <laughs> gives them a score. He gives a projected place. And then he, I forget what else is on that table, but um, yeah, we, we like go into everything like very logically, like, okay, here's you on a good day. Here's you on a bad day. Here's you on a great day. You know, here's what I think you're doing, but he's also very um, like long term big picture so like he's like jog this race and then or like you know you just have to like keep making steps in the right direction so does he have you projected as like the olympic champion in 2024 or 28 24 28 you name it all is double back (laughs) oh yeah that must have been so like i have i have family members you know growing up in massachusetts where like you know, there are two races in the world that matter, like Boston and Falmouth and like everything. Yes. Like I could win <laughs> yes. the Olympics yes. and like that wouldn't yeah, be as important yeah, as winning yeah, yeah, Falmouth. Yeah. So when you run one people. boulder, <laughs> boulder, that must have been them. like that for your dad. Like how big a deal for of that what for, was that for him? Well, it was a big deal. It was a huge. He's like, no father daughter has ever done this before. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that's like literally not a thing. So, and then he's like, and then he goes straight to, I can't believe you were in the pro race. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm like it's, it's fine. Like I won this race. Like I'll probably be in the pro race at some point, you know, but yeah. So are you going to do the pro race this year? Ah, oh, just got invited. So, <laughs> well, maybe I might, uh, we'll see. We'll see if my, if my dad's like mad and like bitter and he's like, we're not going to do it to show them, <laughs> then I won't. But no, I'm just kidding. I probably will. Why not? Sounds like we need to have your dad on the podcast. Yeah, honestly. Oh, gosh, no, please don't. <laughs> so do you have this itch now to just kind of like, you know, after kind of really proving yourself in these last, you know, two, three marathons, really, um, to just kind of see how fast you can go? Like, do we, do you want to get on like a flat course, you know, for the, for the marathon, you, you popped off a nice little half marathon in, in Houston, but I guess like, where do you want to take things from, from here? Um, I would love nothing more to get on a flat fast course and like actually run a, a time. I think I'm capable of running. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, likelihood is no, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just want to keep getting better. I just want to keep proving myself and getting faster and enjoying the process. You know, like I love, I love the training, um, especially like, I think it's like fun coming into it as I am, because like, I get to like each, each time I get to be like a little bit more of a traditional professional athlete. So it's always like fun for me when I get to like go to training camps, because it's like totally new. 
So before we move to kind of like the final questions, I did want you to kind of take this opportunity to, you know, celebrate and shout out sort of like, you know, your, your athletes that you had competing in Boston. How did, how was the overall day uh, for, for, for team Rojas? Oh man, team Rojas crushed it. You know, (laughs) Um, yeah, I think honestly, like, you know, oh my God, as a coach, you're just like effing. So like, I don't know. You're like, oh my God, that person didn't do well. It's my fault. This is not good. But, you know, I think about, I'd say like 90% of my athletes like did so well. 10%, of course, didn't do well for one reason or another. I mean, it's Boston. Um, But I had like, I got to meet them for the first time, a lot of them for the first time last weekend. And it was so fun to meet them. And like, um, it just like, it's, it makes it even more of an experience, you know, because like, you know, like, I don't know, it's different when you, when you have more invested and, um, people like really are invested in me too. Um, because like they're there, you know, so yeah, it was great. Getting a lot of emails for more, for like more clients. Um, yeah, yes. And I'm trying to figure out like what that's going to look like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love coaching. I do. But like, I'm like, dear God, this can't, I can't do like, I need, like, I need to, I, I think I need to hire an assistant coach. So if you have any ideas of a good assistant coach who wants to work with me, let me know. Cool. I think you're also going to be, uh, be careful what you wish for. You're going to get some emails on that too. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of celebration, before we wrap up, I have to know, uh, since you sound like very fun to hang out with in general, what was the first drink post-race? Oh, I had, well, <laughs> yeah, that was like, I was like, okay, I really want to have fun, but like, I'm really sick right now. <laughs> so, so like, you kind of have to like, um, I had like a big Amber Sam Adams. Um, and then I had another one and then I had another one <laughs> and then I capped it off with some espresso martinis, which was like the worst idea ever. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah. very Boston move though. That's a, that's a Boston yeah. bro classic. <laughs> well, so we went to the, we went to this bar and there was like this party for this guy. I think it was like a frat bro who um, it was Kevin. And it was like, congratulations, Kevin, for running Boston. He comes in and was like, you Kevin, you Kevin. And we're like, yeah, Kevin. And like, you know, we talked to him a little bit. She's like, yeah, man. And I was like, I bet he ran Boston because last year he was drunk. And he's like, you know, what? I'm going to do that. I can do that. And so we asked him, he was like, well, I was drunk last year and I was watching it. And he was like, I was like spot on. But, um, so he gave me a beer. So, um, I was, I would have gotten a Marg, but like, I was like, yeah, I'll get a beer. Did you tell him what you ran? <laughs> no, my God, my mom, I was with my mom and she's like, can I tell him? I'm like, no, this is Kevin's day. Like, like, Ke- Kevin ran under four hours for the first yeah. time. <laughs> He's yeah, so yeah, proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh it would have been great if kevin was just like saw the tv and then the highlights just came on like that would have been perfect yeah yeah maybe he maybe he's a listener you never yeah know. maybe we, who we, knows shout Kev, out kevin kevin tweet at That's us kevin. if you're listening hey Vaughn, my boy 
All right. Final questions I ask every guest. First one is, uh, what's the funniest drug testing story that you have? Oh, the funniest. Man, that shit is not funny, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that's not. It's just all business for you? Like you just get it done? Or do you take a while like some of the people? No, I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at it. But yeah, the other day they were here like at like 5.30 a.m. And like I was sleeping on the couch because like I couldn't sleep in the bed and they like rapped on my door really loud and it's terrifying because it's dark out and you're like oh my god this, someone's here to kill me and they were like showing their badge and I was like what badge is that like <laughs> who are you um but yeah they don't really have any funny ones all right that's, that's good. a pretty funny one <laughs> that was that was pretty yeah, funny I don't know I don't know if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history it doesn't have to be you know a pro runner or anything like that uh they could be made up person like harry potter where would the Mm. run take place and who would it be with Mm -hmm. jimmy hendrix um through the through the um through the jungle of uh, Colombia. okay i like that i like that one a lot um (laughs) just bring your trail shoes (laughs) (laughs) final question that i have is uh basketball related it has nothing to do with running and i'm i feel like i know how you're gonna answer you get 25 shots from half court on a full-size basketball court if you make one you win 25 million dollars if you don't make any you go to jail for 25 years would you attempt the shots (laughs) from half court yeah no no, i would not attempt the shot there is literally zero percent i'm gonna make a shot (laughs) chris aren't you listening the the theme of this podcast is that she's got her own money yeah she's got her own i know (laughs) that's what i was like well i thought you would rely on your basketball background to like carry you through this yeah, I'm relying on my knowledge of my free throw or my half court shot. <laughs> Would you take the shot? No, I wouldn't. I, 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 no, okay. I, I wouldn't either. But the, yeah. there's some athletes who come on here and they're like, yeah, like I'll make how many do you want me to make? Like, and it's like, okay, you're a little too caught. <laughs> I, I think if it was a pong table, that's like the only way I'd have a shot. It's like if it's a ping pong ball and a solo cup on the other side of yeah. the court. I perform <laughs> well in that kind of high pressure okay. situation. When, when, is the, when is the last time you picked up a basketball? Uh, last summer. Okay. We played two on two, me and my boyfriend versus my friend I played basketball with in high school and her husband. And we were like, okay, guys, um, 50%, we're going 50, 50, like speed, 50 speed. So we were like going slow-mo because we were all like, oh, we don't want to get hurt. You know, and we were like really old and it was like, it was just like, it was really fun, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> it was like so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We, yeah. We can do uh, the runner mouth questions. Uh, first one is your Instagram crush. Um, so it doesn't have to be a crush crush, but like what's something great <laughs> yeah. you've seen on the internet recently, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Um, oh, it's actually funny. Um, I'm sure you know who Parker Stinson is, but two weeks ago, um, I was at, um, Cooper river and I was, I was having dinner with him and he was like, he said, he like did this, he said a quote and he was like, you 
don't know what I was talking about, do you? And I was like, nope. <laughs> he was like, wow, I am so embarrassed for you. He's like, I'm going to show you this, but like, I'm embarrassed to even show you this for myself because like people are thinking that like, we don't like, you, like we shouldn't be talking about this, but I had no, I didn't, I missed the whole Will Smith thing. Um, okay. <laughs> and he was like, you're literally the only person in the world that has not seen that. And it was like, you know, like it happened. I don't know when it happened, but um, so I watched that the other day. Wow. Wow. I had okay. I will say that really brings it into perspective because I had dinner on Palm Sunday with my 88-year-old Italian grandmother. Yeah. Oh, and no. she was aware she that, that happened. And she knew. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh God, it's so bad. Uh, the next one is uh your go-to karaoke song. Someone hands you the mic, it's your time to shine. What are you singing? Um, I guess I'd sing um I don't. I've only done karaoke once and I don't remember what I sang, but if I had to sing something, um, well, right now there's the song that I was listening to on the start line. So my boyfriend made me a playlist and it, and it's, um, it goes, it goes, sit down, bitch, be humble, sit down, bitch, be so that's on my on repeat in yeah, my Kendrick head. Lamar. So I, yeah. It's Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. I think Lamar. I'll a little old. <laughs> Sorry guys, I'm uh I'm a and old soul. <laughs> last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair, you get to eat anything you want. One last meal. What are you eating? Uh I'd probably eat um French fries and mac and cheese. Good call. Carb it up. That's the move. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Nell, I appreciate you taking the time for this. This was a blast. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to, to the next race. You've got a little bit more fire under you. And uh, I'm, I know you're ready to, to, to rip the next one. Thank you. Yeah, it was great finally chatting with you guys. And um, I look forward to the next time. Sit down. Bitch, sit down.